Some of you know that I grew up United Methodist. My late father was a Methodist minister. And I grew up in Kentucky. We were kind of um, odd in Kentucky, not, not severely or anything, but by default, in Kentucky, everyone's Baptist in, by default. So if you don't have a thing, if you don't have a denomination, then it's just your Baptist. That's probably what you are. So Methodist was not the go-to denomination for, to capture anyone who didn't really have a place. It was the Baptist that did that. But I grew up a Methodist preacher's daughter, and so I figure I've been in church um, all but maybe 200 weekends in my entire life. We had church on Sunday morning, and we had church on Sunday night, and we had church on Wednesday night, too. Now, Sunday night was casual, and people had really taken the day to relax and have a meal with friends or family, and so they returned kind of rested and, and um, strong from the day that they'd spent with the people that they love. And so sometimes, rather than having um, someone tell a story or a sermon or anything like that, we'd have a hymn sing which meant that people could shout out a particular hymn that they wanted to sing, and the congregation became the choir. People sang parts, and I have realized how much those songs have stuck with me. One of them I was reflecting on as we came into the service tonight, which has these words. I love to tell the story of unseen things above of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. To tell the old, old story, because I know it's true, it satisfies my longing, as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. That's what we're gathered here together to do tonight to tell the story of God's saving acts throughout all history. We read three lessons, and they're quite lengthy, I think you would agree. And you know what? We had three others we could have read. There are six stories to read in this portion of the service. Now, it does give you the option to not read all six, but it tells you you have to include one particular of the six. You can change up the others, but you have to include one particular one of the six. And it's the story from Exodus. When God saves God's people by bringing them out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. So we heard the story tonight, but we are hearing the tale end. Because if you know, Moses tried to negotiate with Pharaoh about letting God's people go. He really tried to negotiate. And Pharaoh, if you read the story, often seemed amenable. He would say, okay, your people can go. But then he changed his mind. And so God sent plagues, incrementally, one by one, with each one becoming more severe. You should read it. It's very um, vivid. Here it is, Pharaoh, time and again, changing his mind, and nothing seems to give him the intention to let the people go. So finally, God leads them out through the Passover, and the Egyptians are so distraught by what is happening among them with the death of the firstborn that they don't notice the Egyptians leave until a little while later. And then, of course, as any tyrant would do, Pharaoh sends out his army to get what belongs to him. 
and he pursues them, and that's where we pick up the story now. And you heard the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, on the brink of the river, and they say, oh, great, this is really great. So this is what you brought us out for, Moses. You promised us everything, a promised land that would be our own, and we told you it was hard to imagine. And so here they stand on the brink of the river, and God says, I will carry you through. And so we read about God standing up to the tyrants of the world. God demonstrating God's power against evil. That yes, God can do horrific things when life is severely threatened. This story has to be told. It's the first salvation story. And our Hebrew brothers and sisters are telling it tonight. I ran into my rabbi friend at CVS today. He was dressed very nicely, and I said, oh. And he said, yes, I've been at worship all morning. I said, I didn't know you all did worship on, Sunday, on Saturday morning here at Passover. And he said, only on the first night, because the first night was last night, and tonight we're having our Seder at the synagogue. So they have a big night, too, to tell the salvation story. Don't forget it, we're, in, we're told You must remember, because when you remember, you will see God acting throughout all time again and again. You will see God acting in your very own life. And indeed, we've seen this to be true. I think of the slaves in our own land, those people brought from the continent of Africa and enslaved in our own country to make the economic economic engine of the newly birthed United States of America be something productive. Those people heard the stories of their white masters, Jesus. Now, it seems a little odd that anyone would want to take on the Lord of the people that oppressed them. But you see, they heard the story. They said, listen to this. God saves the oppressed. Do you hear what they're talking about? God takes people out of slavery. Listen to this story. Could it be that God is doing that again? The music that we're singing tonight comes from a hymnal that the Episcopal Church has for its use called Lift Every Voice and Sing. And it includes a lot of African-American spirituals. And you hear the intimacy of God with God's people. That God takes them by the hand and leads them into the promised land. And this was the story that the slaves in our own country held on to as they fought for the freedom that they knew that was theirs because God had made them too in God's image. These stories are life-giving, so we tell them again and again so that we can remember and observe how God is acting in our time and look for how we can be a part of God's work in the world in our day. It can even be a personal story. I remember one particular time in my life, we had three kids only at that time, Gabe and Vivian and Beatrice, and Gabe was in kindergarten and Vivian was in preschool and Beatrice was a baby. And I needed help because I was working full time, I needed someone to watch the kids during the day. It was a little bit tricky because Vivian had preschool for free, but it ended at, you know, 12 or something like that. Gabe had kindergarten that went all day, but he was too young to walk home from the bus by himself. It was against the state law. And then, of course, I had baby Beatrice, who needed particular care. And I was distraught 
with how this was all going to happen. We were in a financial hardship time of our lives, and every penny counted. And so I wrung my hands, considering how in the world am I going to get the care I need for three children, even with all the benefits of a free nursery school and all of that. How am I going to get someone who can do all of this work? Looking at the market, we were in New Jersey, it's not like things are cheaper there. And I didn't want to skimp on the babysitter. I didn't want to pay her less than what she was rightly due. And I wanted someone who didn't plop my child in front of Barney and then, you know, take up a conversation on the phone. There were no cell phones in those days. But, you know, I wanted someone who would actually pay attention to my children. And plus, I needed someone who would drive. So I didn't have an extra car, so I would need the person to use their car. And I also thought it would be nice to pay some Social Security for this person, trying to be a responsible citizen and all. And if I only had this much money to pay and I took out Social Security, then it turned into this much money, and that seemed criminal. So I was really distraught as to how this was all going to work. I decided to go forward and put out my pursuit of a caregiver, and I did come up with a handful of people, and I whittled it down to a couple of folks. And there was one person who I was really excited about. She had raving reviews. She sounded like Mary Poppins. That's what her references said. And so I was looking forward to meeting her, and she wanted to bring her two-year-old along, which helped me feel a little bit better about how little I was paying her. So we were prepared for her to come, and I was really hoping this was going to work. It occurred to me right before she was set to arrive that I forgot to tell her a couple of very particular things. One is we lived on a second floor walk up. So that meant she was going to come up the stairs with her two-year-old, take care of my baby, take my baby down the stairs, then go get the nursery school, up the stairs with a two-year-old and a three-year-old and a baby, then back down with all three of them to get the kindergartner, and then back up the stairs again. And I was exhausted just thinking about how to make this sound like it was a good deal. Also, we have a boxer. We had a boxer at the time, and if you know those dogs, they have a nice square muzzle, and it's just right on the level of a two-year-old's face. And sometimes people are a little intimidated by such a square face and, um, and jowls and drool and all of that. And so she was set to come, and I realized these were two things I forgot to tell her. I opened the door and welcomed her in, and it wasn't more than a couple of minutes that she'd come into the door that I confessed to these two things that I'd left out of all the litany of needs that I had. And she said, oh, I don't mind doing the walk-up. We live on a second floor, too. I said, oh, that's wonderful. And then I said, and then we have a boxer who I probably had put in a crate or something just so that the exuberance wouldn't be all over the place. And she said, oh, you know what? My in-laws breed boxers. I was dumbfounded. I couldn't believe all of this was going to come together. And I said to God, I can't believe. I can't believe this is going to work. And God spoke to me as God speaks to me sometimes, kind of like, I'm not exactly sure how to explain it, kind of like a sister, um, a Frank sister, um, maybe a little bit of an Italian accent or something, or maybe a little bit of a Jewish accent, or maybe Italian Jew, um, a slapping of the hand. That's how God was talking to me. Maybe Brooklyn might be the best way to describe it. God said, Whitney, did I not make water come out of the rock? Did I not make water come out of the rock? And I tried to defend myself, to look a little bit 
like it was reasonable that I was freaking out. And so I said to God, I know, but this is harder. We tell the stories of our faith so that we can remember them, so that we can remember who God is, what God does, what God does for God's people throughout all time. We imagine back to times we can't even imagine in order to give ourselves an awareness of God's intimate love for God's creation. And so we come together to tell these same old stories year after year so that we can remember who God is. We celebrate God's gift to us in Jesus. Every year we read the same scripture. It hasn't changed. But it's because we need to remember. We forget. When I told a close friend of mine about my experience with the daycare, the nursery worker and all of that. She said, Whitney, write that down. That's your gospel story. That's the good news according to Whitney. You have this too. It's important for us to tell the story. We tell God's story, but then we tell God's story in us. And maybe that's the reason that hymn came to my mind. This evening, we are going to baptize Riley Jade into this story so that she knows this story is hers and so that she can find herself in this story. And when she has moments of doubt and fear, she remembers God's intimate love for God's creation all time, in all places, that there's no one, there's no way to be more vulnerable or, or in a more fragile situation or even in hell God is with us. That's what we want her to remember. We want her to never not know that. Let us be people of the story. I encourage you to tell the good news according to you of God's work in your life. How has God shown up, saved you? Let us tell the story. Let that be our theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen.